Welcome to the All About Setwork podcast. In this podcast, we talk about all things setwork. That include training tips, a behind-the-scenes look at what your instructor or trial official may be going through, and much more. In this episode, I want to talk about the importance of doing all the sniffy things. <laughs> Before we start diving into the episode itself, let me do a very quick introduction of myself. My name is Diana Santos. I'm the owner and lead instructor for Setwork University, Dog Sport University, and Pet Dog U. These are online dog training platforms that are designed to help you achieve your dog training goals, and we're very fortunate to have a client basis worldwide. For Setwork University in particular, we provide online courses, seminars, webinars, and eBooks that are all designed to help you achieve your sniffing goals. So whether you're just getting started in Setwork, looking to develop some more advanced skills, getting ready to trial, or you're already trialing and trying to finesse some things for the upper levels, we likely have a training solution for you. <laughs> so as you know a little bit more about me, let's dive into the podcast episode itself. So in this episode, I wanted to talk about the importance, in my opinion, and again, this is just an opinion, <laughs> to allow our dogs to do all the various types of sniffing that is available, particularly now. There's so many different dog sports and activities that are focusing around sniffing, and that we should be leveraging those as much as possible. And the reason why I wanted to do this episode is I received an email question, and it was basically saying, well, if I want to do some work, then that basically means I shouldn't be doing these other things, right? And I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> So we're just going to break this down a little bit. There is absolutely truth to be said that we want to make things contextual for our dogs when they are doing set work, right? When we want them to go into a search area and we want them to find a particular type of hide, we want there to be contextual cues so that they can successfully do that. A very fancy way of saying is when I walk up to a search area and I want my dog to find birch or target odors, I want them to know that's what they're supposed to be hunting for. So one of our recent episodes was talking about handler discrimination, where we're discussing how dogs would be potentially some of the issues that people were running into when they were trying to start this, because AKC Network was offering it new. Other organizations had been offering it before that, but a lot of people were just starting it fresh. And they had already had experience working with target odors, and that there could have been some confusion as far as when they were doing training and how they were setting up those contextual cues of, I don't need you to find our target odor, I need you to go find an article that smells like meat. <laughs> and I think from there, there is some additional confusion is like, okay, well, how do those things gel, right? If my dog is going to be confused, because now they're not certain what they're going to be hunting for, and wouldn't it then therefore... <laughs> be advantageous for me to just focus on only doing one type of sniffy thing so that they can't be confused. And I would argue that if we are more thoughtful and mindful and careful about how we do things, how we organize our training, how it is that we're doing sessions, the more sniffing opportunities that your dog has, the more generalized the skills are for hunting, for sniffing, for working out odor problems. Let me give you an example. I love barn hunt. I think barn hunt is fantastic. And what I would notice, because I used to teach barn hunt, <laughs> addition to set work, is if clients were doing either or, right? They were doing either set work or they were doing barn hunt. The moment, not instantaneously, but over a period of time, they would start doing the other activity, it would improve whatever they were doing before. So let's say that we had a client that was doing barn hunt and then they started doing set work suddenly their barn hunt got even better. If you had a client that was doing set work and then they started doing barn hunt, there was improvement in set work too. Because if you just stop to think about it, what we're trying to do with these various dog sports that again are focusing on sniffing 
is we're trying to offer the dog a variety of different odor puzzles. But in addition to that, depending on what it is you're talking about, there's also the opportunities for problem solving. So with Barn Hunt, it's basically a maze, right? It's this giant hay or straw maze that the dog has to navigate in order to find row rats that are safely hidden inside PVC tubes. You're also injecting, you know, obviously a little bit of more prey because there's a live creature, <laughs> but it's not running away. They have to deal with a whole lot of lingering odor, and I would even argue residual, like actual like contamination because rats leak. <laughs> so you have like rat urine all throughout your actual barn hunt search area within the ring. And the dog has to be able to work through that on top of the planned distractors of actual tubes that are filled with bedding and little rat cookies. <laughs> because rats poop too. So the point being is that the dogs can learn to work through all of that in order to find the actual rat, right? Because rat urine and rat cookies don't mean anything, right? It doesn't amount to anything. But the actual living, breathing rat that's inside of a tube, yes, that's awesome. I need to find that thing. That absolutely, that kind of skill, building those kinds of moments of learning, that understanding of very specific understanding of what it is I need to go find, absolutely carries over to scent work. <laughs> and it's not that, no, now we want them to find rats, but they can understand I need to find my target odor hide and I need to find source, as an example. As opposed to maybe getting trapped in pooling or trapped odor or things like that. So there is absolutely this interplay between the more opportunities that your dog has to sniff and hunt particularly with these various types of dog sports, the better it is. Because <laughs> you're able to generalize the very same types of skills. In addition, if we can just stay in barn hunt for a moment. In barn hunt, you're inside of an enclosed ring. The dog has to run off leash. Again, if we're actually like running it to mimic what you would have at trial. So let's talk about that real quick. <laughs> it, at a trial for barn hunt, you would be inside of an enclosed ring. The dog runs naked. They don't have any kind of equipment on whatsoever. And you are not permitted to touch the hay or the straw. You, need, you can walk around, but you shouldn't be touching anything. The dog goes, they find their rat inside of a PVC tube, and then you call rat, and then you, more often than not, you're going to restrain the dog so that you can hand off the rat to a rat wrangler who can then safely remove it from the ring. <laughs> Why does any of that matter? Think about this in contrast to what we have in Scentmark, right? Scentmark, the dog obviously is wearing clothing. They are at the very least wearing a collar, more than likely or not a harness. But they're also typically on a leash or a long line, or at the very least, they're typically near us, right? A lot of our search areas are not totally enclosed. There's a whole variety of different search areas, so on and so forth. Particularly for people who have a hard time having their dog working away from them where there can be a multitude of reasons for that. It could be the dog is uncomfortable working away from them. They feel security being close to their handler. It could be that the handler is uncomfortable allowing the dog to work away from them because they are concerned for any slew of reasons. It could be that they are concerned they're not going to be able to see what the dog is doing, that they may not be able to pick up on a change of behavior or whatever else. It may just be reinforcing to the handler to keep the dog close. It may also be a confidence booster for the handler to keep the dog close. There's a whole slew of reasons why it's going to happen. But for people who struggle, teams, with the distance piece, doing something like barn hunt can help because distance is almost baked in. Where you can just plant yourself somewhere within that enclosed ring, particularly in the beginning, most people who teach barn hunt, the actual hay maze is very 
not much mazy like <laughs> in the beginning. It's just a couple of bales. So you'll be able to see really easily what the dog is doing. But you can basically stay right at the beginning once the dog has an overall concept of what it is they're supposed to be doing. And you can just allow them to hunt. And you can just stand there and smile and breathe. And when they find the rat, then you can step in and you can reward them, tell them how great they are. And then you can hand the tube off. This ability to practice being able to work away from you in the context of quote-unquote hunting, right, absolutely then can bleed over into scent work. It can also help the handler understand my dog can work away from me. They do it in barn hunt. <laughs> and now we can start doing some of those things in scent work. So again, that's just one example. There's a whole lot of examples of how, again, these things can kind of help back and forth. But it works in the other direction too. Meaning if you're doing scent work and then you want to, or you were already kind of playing with barn hunt, but now you're really getting into scent work a whole lot. <laughs> you may notice that the dog is able to work out their barn hunt puzzles easier and faster and more effectively because they've been learning those very same odor skills in scent work. So there's this absolute back and forth, this ability to build skills that, again, don't live inside this vacuum. I, I, I use the same terminology all the time or analogies, and I wish I could broaden them a little bit, but I guess my brain isn't big enough. <laughs> but th the best way that I can describe it is that, again, these things aren't happening inside of a bubble, right? It's not as though we do things in scent work and they only live in scent work land. They're skills. They're things the dog is learning. And even if your dog is out in the yard, you're just in your backyard, right? And they're just being a dog. <laughs> and they come across a critter smell, chipmunk, squirrel, whatever. The very same skills that they learned inside of your searches for birch, they're now going to apply in trying to figure out where the critter is, and vice versa. So that's where I come from as far as allow them to do all the sniffing. <laughs> the more sniffy games that you can do, the better. And that's why I am very much of the opinion that, yes, even when my dog is, is trained on target odors, I will continue to play with primary in other sessions. And for some people, it's, oh, you can't do that. It's like, why not? <laughs> if I'm careful with what I'm doing with my training, right? If I'm careful with my contextual cues, what it is we're actually searching for, and that in the quote-unquote scent work realm, where now we're searching for target odors, I'm making it clear that I just want you to find target odors. You no longer need to find primary. And if there's primary out here that's not with a target odor, I'm not pairing, don't get that. It doesn't matter. Just find your hide. There is absolutely no reason why our brilliant dog wouldn't be able to do that in a completely different session with different contextual cues. Hey, we're going to go find treats. Hey, we're going to go find toys. It works out great. <laughs> it also can really build a lot of enthusiasm and it varies everything. You know, it doesn't make it so monotone. I don't, that's not the right word. It, it doesn't make it so that everything is trying to be applied through scent work because I don't think that it can be. I think there's lots of skills and lots of things on both ends of the leash that we should be working completely outside of searches altogether. But there are some things that, again, just going back to the distance example, where maybe the dog or the handler or the team, the unit, <laughs> are just so stuck where they're like, no, in this, with this picture, when we're doing the sniffy game like this, we have to be this close to each other. But as soon as you can take them out of that situation and provide them with a different picture, like with Barn Hunt, suddenly they can experience that actually we can, and then you can apply that learning back into scent work. 
But sometimes they're just so stuck that if you can just remove them for a minute and put them into a different situation, suddenly they can experience like, oh, we can actually work away from each other and it's not that big of a deal. Interesting. (laughs) So I don't want anyone to think that if you choose to do one activity, such as scent work with your dog, that means you obviously cannot then go do other activities. Just the opposite. I want you to do all of the sniffing. (laughs) You know, there's an organization such as NASDA, which is offering a shed hunt, and they also hunt for rats, and they hunt for scented articles. It's fantastic. By all means, check it out. (laughs) We're hopefully going to be putting together some resources on Setwork University that are going to show you how to do some of those other things, such as shed hunt and so on and so forth. But the more that you can do this, the better. And again, I I point to sports that have been around for a very long time, like competition obedience. Dogs have been doing scented articles as far as going out in the middle of a competition obedience run. Part of the sequence is handler sends a dumbbell. They hand it off to the judge. The judge puts it inside, you know, amongst other articles that are not scented like the handler. The dog is then sent out. They get it. They retrieve it. They bring it back. Great. (laughs) That is scenting, right? That is hunting. And the more that we can do this, the better it is for the dog. It's also better for us because we can become very micro as far as how it is we look at things where it's only within this realm. And that's just not true. And it gets people into a lot of trouble because then we just make these blanket assumptions and we write things off and it's like, hang on a second. (laughs) No, there's so many things potentially happening at once. And There's so many things you could be leveraging and be adding more depth and color and variety to your whole experience with your dog. And the more that they can do activities that celebrate them for being who they are, which are dogs with amazing senses of smell, the better it is. So that way we're not constantly battling against them, right? So just as an aside, one of the things that I oftentimes will hear with clients when they're first starting or when they're thinking about maybe trying out scent work. Like, oh, is this just going to make my dog want to sniff more on a walk? And the answer is no. I mean, it's not like a guarantee. But it can give your dog an outlet so that they want to sniff because they're dogs. As far as I'm concerned, walks should be an opportunity to explore their environment. But scent work can give them that proper outlet, but then all these other sniffing activities can do that too. And... The more that they're allowed to be dogs, the happier they're going to be. But it's also providing you with lots of opportunities where, again, if you're competition minded, I care about trialing and whatever it is, and I want to make certain that we're successful. The more that you can hone your eye to what your dog looks like when they're doing these various things, the better. So again, as an example, (laughs) let's say that you're doing scent work and barn hunt and you have a dog who you know, really, 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 really likes barn hunt. They're like, ooh, critter inside of a tube. This is fantastic. (laughs) My birthday. Over time, you're going to know what your dog looks like when they find a rat inside of a tube, even just subconsciously. You're going to see that picture and it's going to register in your brain. Ah, the dog has found the rat. If you were then to do a search for scent work, and let's say you were at a trial and it was at a location that was outside, maybe it was, let's say it's like a feed store or something where there's probably lots of little actual running around rats, (laughs) whatever else. And your dog suddenly looked as though they found a rat in a tube. 
you now have that experience to recognize what that is. And you can then maybe urge them on. Be like, okay, well, we're not doing Barnett today. Let's even go find Birch, right? That is important learning for you. And it also is a good opportunity for us to recognize, okay, well, if I want there to be a lot of clarity with whatever game that I'm playing, I can then use different tools and proofing to ensure the dog understands when there are target odors out, we don't need to find rats, right? There might be rat smell. There may even be actual little critters running around, <laughs> depending on where we're searching. But I just want you to find the birch. And when you find the birch, amazing things happen. And this is where you get to just be creative. So again, staying in this, <laughs> this lane of barn hunt, is that if you're training in barn hunt, right? You're working with an instructor, you're going to a facility, whatever, they have actual rats there, literally. Just ask them like, hey, can you pet the rat with this rag? And can I grab like a little baggie of rat cookies <laughs> or whatever else? Use all of that in your scent work training for proofing. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not tricking the dog. Make certain you're clear what it is they're supposed to be hunting for. Don't put the rat proofing stuff like right in front of their face and then have the hide off in Oshkosh. Like, be mindful about how you're doing this, but make it clear. When we're wearing this equipment that we have for scent work, when I give you this cue for scent work, we have our startling cones, we have all these contextual cues, and you can smell birch as an example. I just need you to find birch. And the dog goes, oh, even though there's rat smell in here, yes, I just need you to find birch. And when you do, amazing things happen. And the dog was like, yeah, that's awesome. Another possible thing you could do, <laughs> and again, you need to decide what you're comfortable with. If your dog is really gung-ho about rats, they think that hunting rats is like life, then you can still do all that proofing stuff I'm talking about. But again, if you're doing barn hunt too, ask them to rub one of your like special toys on the rat. So now it, your toy smells like rat. And that is your special super uber duper toy that you use for proofing. The dog went, they found their hide, whip out, you know, pay them however you normally pay them with super high value treats, don't know how amazing they are, and then whip out that toy and let them actually chase a quote unquote rat toy. There's all kinds of creative stuff we can be doing. <laughs> but the idea that because I want to be successful in scent work, that means I can't do anything else. I couldn't possibly do barn hunt too. It's just not true. It's just the opposite as far as I'm concerned. So if you're interested in doing any of the slew of things that involve our dog sniffing, please do. <laughs> and even if you're not interested in competing in those things, even if you just want to play with them as a game, something that you do on the side, it's just a fun activity, that's okay too. And it will help your scent work game. And also scent work will directly affect and improve those other things too. It's all interrelated, but I don't want anyone to think that I can only choose one or the other. It's just not true. We just have to be clear with what it is that we're doing. And that just requires that we think a little bit. How is a dog perceiving this? Does the dog know what game they're playing? <laughs> and it is absolutely true that we can overwhelm our dogs by doing too many things, but I think it's doing too many things without thinking about number one, are they tired? <laughs> Did they have a chance to recover? And number two, are we being clear? Because our dogs are really, really, really smart and they can do multiple things. We just have to be careful about how we're scheduling to make certain that we are giving them time to rest and recoup and recover, and that we're also being clear with what it is we want them to do. So I hope this helps because it, it, it breaks my heart. 
I mean, people think that they can only do one or the other. Maybe they're just not going to do any of it, right? Maybe you have someone who, again, they're saying, I want to take my dog for a walk. And, oh, God, it's going to make them sniff more. So now they're not going to do any of the snippy games. Ugh. He's like, no, don't do that. Come back, come back, come back. <laughs> let me convince you otherwise. So I hope this makes sense, but please let me know if you guys have any questions. I'm always happy to answer any questions that you have. We've been receiving some wonderful feedback from everyone as far as other topics they would like for us to cover inside the podcast, different things that they would like to learn about, you know, because again, the podcast is through our business network university. So people have been contacting us like, hey, I wasn't certain if you offered this or I was interested in doing that. We have a really, really, really big library. <laughs> we have over, I think it's 115 now, probably a lot more than that, webinars. We have over 50 different courses. We have a ton of seminars. We have a ton of eBooks. It's a lot. So it can sometimes be challenging to be like, how do I find what I need? <laughs> so if you are at all lost, or if you're looking for something like, I don't even know where to begin, please contact me. I'm always happy to help. And if you do go every, through everything, you're like, well, I have a this need, or I'm interested in this. I'm not sure if it's covered in what it, you're already offering. Also, please contact me. <laughs> and I will then circle back with our really wonderful instructors to make it a reality. I want to ensure that we're offering what you guys need and what you're interested in. So please make certain that you're reaching out and people have been taking me up on that offer and I'm so grateful. <laughs> because again, I can only think of so much and I wanna make certain that we're doing what you guys need. So please continue to reach out. I love it when you do. And we always, you know, we send you a gift. <laughs> you send us any kind of feedback or any suggestions. I believe in positive reinforcement. So continue doing that because that's great. We are going to be having some additional speakers coming in for our podcast, which I'm very excited about. I want to make certain people are hearing from someone else other than me. <laughs> There's a lot of really exciting stuff in the works. So thanks so much. Happy training. We look forward to seeing you soon.